for leading us. And uh, if you have a Bible, we'll continue with our worship by opening up to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to be spending our time together this morning. Last week, we saw how church membership is a beautiful thing. It is the mechanism that we use to identify who the kingdom ambassadors are, right? We, we affirm the saving fruit uh, and the saving faith that we, uh, we see in someone, the fruit that comes from that faith, and then we commission them to join in with us on uh, the mission of the local church. The question is, how do we know if someone is living the Christian life? How do we know if we should affirm them and if we should welcome them into our number? And that is a big question that provides the opportunity for lots of nuance and lots of uh, caveats, of course, but uh, I also think it's the sort of question that can be answered with some real baseline standards from the Bible. There are nuances we can parse through when we talk about how do we know if somebody's living a Christian life and how do we know if we should say, yes, you're a believer, we want to add you to our, our, our church role, we want you to be a part of our membership. Um, there's nuances we can parse through, but there's some basic things you should expect Christians who belong to churches to do. And this passage this morning reminds us of those baseline standards. It gives us a significant minimum, a target we can point to and say, it has to at least be this. And what we'll see is that the baseline standards for, for what Christians do, how we act, and, 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 and how we um, go about living this Christian life, really it's a response to the gospel. It's a response to what we have seen Jesus do. And so we have a passage in Hebrews this morning where we see the work of Christ in the gospel and we see how believers respond. We see how people who belong to churches respond to the work of Christ. A little context this morning, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, okay? Uh, Some have said it's Paul, some have argued it's Apollos. Here's who it really is. We don't know, okay? We, we really just don't know. Um, the big picture of the book, though, is that it is a sermon for a Jewish congregation, and the sermon itself is showing how Christ is the fulfillment of all Old Testament Scripture, which leads me to think it was probably written by somebody who was Jewish by blood. Um, the passage today comes in a section of Hebrews where the author shows us how Christ provides a reconciliation with God, right? That reconciliation we talked about last week, and that this reconciliation is accomplished by Christ, and the Old Covenant never could have accomplished it. The Old Covenant never could have brought the reconciliation with God that Jesus provides for His people. So, The way this text will work is in verses 19 through 21, we will see what Jesus accomplished in his ministry of reconciliation. And then in verses 22 through 25, we will see how people who belong to churches respond, how Christians respond to the saving work of Christ. So I'll start reading for us in verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father God, I pray that this morning um, you would help us understand your word because it is necessary for our salvation, Lord. It's necessary for our growth. It's necessary uh, for our hope. And Lord, if it were not for your word, um, by the time we get to lunch, we'd be swept away with the, 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 um, the, the desires of our flesh and the lusts of our hearts and um, the, the way that we, we go and we chase idols. Uh, Father, we need your word to keep us grounded. We need your word to keep us anchored to who you are. And so, uh, Lord, may your word help us to not be forgetful. And may your word remind us, Lord, of what you expect, of what you command. And, Lord, that we would also see the pathway to obedience in it. So speak now, God, uh, as, as I preach your word, and thank you for the privilege. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get to the response, we see what we're responding to, and we get a beautiful picture of the gospel, of the reconciling work of Christ in verses 19 through 21. So I want to work through these verses, but let's remember what Paul said last week. We saw in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul say, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So at the heart of the gospel message, we have God reconciling sinners to himself through the ministry of Jesus Christ. But to really understand how Jesus did this and what he has done, we need to know who he is. So in Hebrews 10, we learn about the Son of God who is doing the reconciling. In verse 21, the author of Hebrews calls him a great priest over the house of God. The great priest is a reference to the high priest of Israel. In Exodus 29, we learn about the high priest of Israel and how Aaron will play this role. Exodus 29, starting in verse 4. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. So Aaron is the high priest over Israel, and the firstborn of Aaron's line would serve in that role over the priesthood going forward. The high priest, uh, the, the job of the high priest was to really administer the sacrificial system and to uh, watch over the sacrificial system, to watch over every activity that took place inside of the tabernacle or inside of the temple that had to do with sacrifices. And one of the greatest responsibilities of the high priest is that on the Day of Atonement, they would go into the innermost part of the tabernacle or the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and they would represent the people there before God. 
It was past the outer courts. It was past even the holy place. It was covered by a veil. And only the high priest could go beyond that veil. So when we go back to Hebrews 10 here, when the author calls Jesus the great priest, the author is saying that Jesus is a high priest as well, but not just another high priest in the line of Aaron. Jesus is the great high priest. Hebrews 4.14, which really is like a parallel to this passage, says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. And so Jesus is the great high priest. And he has done a priestly ministry for us. And you can see the impact of the ministry in verses 19 through 20. Jesus has not just entered the holy of holies in the temple as the high priest did on the day of atonement that was just a copy of the sanctuary right the the high priest went into a copy of the heavenly sanctuary that was on earth right not not the real heavenly sanctuary but jesus went into the real thing jesus went into heaven's sanctuary the true holy of holies and he did not come with the blood of bulls and goats he came with his own blood he came with the blood that he spilt for us in his sacrificial death in hebrews 9 the author says for christ has entered not into holy places made with hands which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And that blood that he spilt, that sacrifice, has opened up a new and living way for me and for you. This is what the author says in verse 20. By the new and living way that he opened up for us. And it is a way for us to draw near to the Father through the blood of the Son. The reconciling ministry of Christ has removed any barrier that existed between us and God. A barrier, by the way, that was symbolized in that veil, in that curtain that fenced off the most holy place in the temple. And so when Jesus dies, Luke says, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. The curtain, the, the, curtain, the curtain was torn in two, and the curtain was torn in two to show that through the death of Christ, all barriers between God and man have been removed. And by the blood of Christ, we can draw near to God now with confidence. There's a lot more we could say about Hebrews 10, 19 through 21. But for the sake of time, we're going to leave it there. But understand that Christ is our great high priest. And at the heart of his priestly ministry, we find him pouring out his blood and having his body broken to atone for our sin and to remove all the barriers that stood between us and the Father. That's the gospel. How do Christians who belong to churches respond to that gospel? 
Well, we get three let us commands in verses 22 through 25, and they will serve as our teaching points this morning. And so here's the first one in verse 22. In light of the gospel, believers draw near, uh, they respond to the reconciling ministry of Christ by drawing near. We see this in verse 22. So in light of the gospel, believers respond to the reconciling ministry of Christ by drawing near. The priestly work of Christ has given us priestly access as the people of God. It used to be that only Aaron could go into the most holy place, but now by the blood of Christ, the people of God are not kept out. We can enter in just like Aaron, right? We have priestly access just like Aaron. In fact, we come into the presence of God this morning with even more confidence than Aaron because we don't come with the blood of bulls and goats. We come with the blood of Jesus. We come with the ministry of Christ, Jesus has died for our sin. He's removed the barrier between us and God. And now we can stand before God, as we see in verse 22, with a true heart and full assurance of the faith. What does that mean, to stand before God with a true heart and full assurance of the faith? Well, it means you can stand before God with certainty that your sins have been forgiven. Not because you are faithful, but because of the faithfulness of Jesus and his priestly work on your behalf. We can point to the cross, as the choir just did, right? And we can say, hallelujah. We can say, he did that. And I believe and my faith is credited to me as righteousness. Therefore, I draw near with a true heart of worship, knowing that since all barriers have been removed between me and the Father, knowing that since I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ, I can offer up my worship to the Lord, and it will be acceptable to Him by the blood of Jesus. Jesus has died to remove all the impurities of my worship, and I can offer up my worship to Him. Sometimes, I think as believers, we fail to draw near because maybe we doubt our salvation. And listen, you need to examine yourself to make sure that you are in the faith. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. It's a healthy thing to make sure there's fruit in your life that would indicate that you believe the gospel, that you've been converted, that God is doing a transforming work because that fruit points to a living faith. There's nothing wrong with examining yourself. However, with that being said, rest in what the Bible says you can know. 1 John 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So the priestly work of Christ enables us to draw near, right, with, with absolute um, full assurance. The priestly work of Christ allows us to draw near knowing that ultimately you have been forgiven. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you all. Somehow, I've jumped to my notes from last week, which is not the sermon you want to hear. All right, here we go. I'm back. We're back. Okay. He goes on to say, we can draw near because our hearts have been cleansed from an evil conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So there's a lot of Old Testament language here in this. The sprinkling language is alluding to Old Testament sacrificial rites. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat, and the wrath of God was satisfied. 
Well, just as the blood spilled and, and it was sprinkled and, and it cleansed the people under the old covenant, the blood of Christ cleanses us in the new covenant. However, notice it does work that the blood of bulls and goats could never do. The blood of bulls and goats makes you ceremonially clean to be able to come before God and worship, but the blood of Christ goes beyond the external and it goes into the internal. It cleanses our conscience. It cleanses us to the very core of who we are. The language here about the washing with pure water also alludes to the Old Testament. The law required a host of washings for the body to be ceremonially clean. But again, the cleansing was temporary. The cleansing was external. Christ has washed us with the pure water of the Spirit's baptism. When you become a Christian, when you turn from your sin, you put your faith in Christ and you are converted and you are justified, Uh, Ephesians 1, Paul tells us that you were given the Holy Spirit and is a seal of your salvation. And so you receive the Spirit and the Spirit has, has, has cleansed you to the innermost. And as New Testament believers, we show that cleansing, right? We demonstrate that work that the Spirit has done in our lives through believer's baptism, where we show how our sin has been buried and Christ has washed us and now we are a new creation. If I come to commune with my wife on a date night, and I've got a plan, all right? And I, she's not here, so I can talk about this as freely as I want. So imagine you got a plan. You're like, we're going to have a nice dinner. We're going to go to a movie. Okay, it's going to be a great night. Those best laid plans can easily be ruined if there is sin between us. A little skirmish right? A little fight, a little bickering, just a little bit of conflict can ruin an entire date night. And the sin between us would keep me from being able to draw near to her with confidence that my love is going to be reciprocated. You never have to fear that with God as long as we come repentant and confessing. Because Christ has died for the sin that we confess, we can be confident that the sin has been atoned for and that God will accept our worship. Worship that comes from cleansed and purified hearts. So this is what Christians who belong to churches do. They draw near and they worship the Lord. A second imperative is found. The second command in verse 23. A second let us. Let us Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So, believers respond to the reconciling ministry of Christ by holding fast. Holding fast is important in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 3, verse 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and are boasting in our hope. In Hebrews 3, verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And then truly a parallel passage that I read from earlier in Hebrews 4, verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What is our confession of hope? The confession of hope that we are to hold fast to in verse 23, what is it? 
Well, it's the confession that Christ is Lord and Christ saves. It's the confession of Romans 10 verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. At the end of the day, as a Christian, this is what you're clinging to. This is what you are holding on to. You're holding on to Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Adonai. Jesus is Master. His word, His truth, His mission, His kingdom, this is all that really matters because He's sovereign over all things, including the hearts of all the people that make up the church. And so He is Lord. We hold that in one hand. In the other hand, we cling to the fact that He saves. He is Lord and the Lord saves because our Lord crossed the boundary between heaven and earth. He entered into our backyard. He showed us what the image of God invisible is like. He never sinned. He never broke God's laws. He was completely and totally and utterly pure. And after doing the priestly work of dying for us at Calvary, He resurrected, proving that He is who He said He was, proving He had defeated our death for us, proving He is the resurrection and the life, proving that the Father approved of the sacrifice He made on our behalf. And so anybody who's repented of their sin and who's turned to Him and and put their faith in Him as Lord has received salvation. This is what we hold on to. He is Lord and He saves. The world comes along and our flesh comes along and beckons us to let go of these things. As the heat of suffering is turned up in our life, the world will say, "Don't, don't cling to Jesus as Lord and Jesus saves. Curse God and die. As the pleasures of the world tempt us, the world will say to to us, listen, just be yourself. You just need to be who you really are and give in to these things. Give in to the desires of your flesh. That's the only way to be the authentic you. By the way, I don't know about you, but I am tired of this idea that we all need to be the authentic us. Hold back the authentic you a little bit. The world doesn't need all of who you are. You're sinful. You're messed up. You're complaining all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, It's polite to hold up a little bit back, right? Anyways, keep going. All right. (laughs) Those who persevere will be those who hold on to their confession and they do not waver. It's those who don't shrink back. They don't give in. When the world comes and the flesh comes and tempts us to give up on God and to doubt Him and to walk away, we remain steadfast. We cling to the great Christian confession that Christ is Lord and Christ saves. You could say we're like the Israelites in the wilderness. Undergoing test after test and tribulation after tribulation, enduring discipline because of our own sin. But we must persevere if we're going to see the promised land. And it feels daunting at times, right? How can we hold on? The the friction of trying to walk this way on the narrow path where it feels like the whole rest of the world is trying to walk this way on the broad road that leads to destruction, that's hard. But the author gives us this encouragement at the end of verse 23. He who promised is faithful. You've been brought into the presence of the Father by the blood of the Son. You have been gifted with the Holy Spirit as the seal of your salvation. And guess what? God's not going anywhere. He doesn't leave you. The Father and the Son and the Spirit have worked together in the Godhead to save you for His own glory and now will be with you every step of the way because He is faithful. 
just as he was with the Israelites in the cloud and the flame. And like St. Patrick, we can say with all honesty, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise. He is faithful. He's always with us, helping to bring to completion that which he started on the day of our salvation. COVID has been brutal in so many ways, and of course it isn't over. They say that this current strand that's with us may be the dominant strand that hangs around as we go forward. It's a part of our lives now. As many of us found out after VBS, when we all gave it to one another. And even though people are still getting it and everything, I think we can say we've come out of the heights of the pandemic, right? The long winter that when we were in has, is coming to an end. We're seeing, uh, you know, the, the leaves are coming out on the trees. We're very excited about this. But in the thick of it, we saw heartbreaking stuff. And of course, we saw things in the news and we saw a country divided and people fighting about masks and all that sort of stuff, right? But nothing was more heartbreaking than watching so many believers who made a shipwreck of their faith during this time period. Christ is Lord and Christ saves. And they let go of their confession. Statistics say churches lost 20% of their membership on average during COVID. I can tell you that in this room on Sunday mornings, before COVID, typically would have somewhere between 230 to 250 people in here. Post-COVID, we typically have somewhere between 185 and 200 in here. So the statistics, they bear out for us. I've talked to Pastor Doug over at Bethel. They bear out for him. They lost 20% of their church. I had lunch with Pastor Gene Cornett from you know, Bethany Place. He used to serve here at Seaford. They've done the same thing happened to them in Richmond. This is a story for every church, man. Where are these people at? Like, we had church on March 8th, 2020. And if you remember that, not that many people were here. We didn't have a live stream yet. A very odd Sunday. We were not able to have it in person again until May 24th, 2020. And despite the best efforts of churches like ours, I mean, we had people during COVID just going around. You may have received one of these, but they were just going around and like giving out gift baskets at doors, and we're sending prayer cards every day. We're calling as many people as I can. It was really challenging to try to keep up with everyone. But despite the best efforts of churches like ours, there are folks who just never came back. And I'm not talking about people who changed churches. Because I do think that COVID provided a natural time for people to transition in and out of churches and to maybe go somewhere else God was calling them. We had new people come here. We had people leave here, right? I'm talking about people who left church. Like they let go of the confession of the faith. I'm not here to shame anybody. Far from it. Certainly not here to shame you. You're here, right? I'd love to see each and every one of these people walk out of the wilderness and walk back into a gospel-preaching church and once again cling to the confession of hope. But so many allowed a brief period of strange happenings to cause them to abandon their confession. They ceased to bow down to Christ as Lord. They ceased to cry out that Jesus saves. They started to treat other things as Lord. They started to treat other things as functional saviors. Relationships replaced Jesus. Hobbies replaced Jesus. Pleasure replaced Jesus. New clubs and organizations to belong to and give time to replaced Jesus. 
And as these things took the time that people once gave to Jesus and his local church, their confession of faith, their confession of hope floated away like a balloon out of a child's hand. Are they truly saved? I don't know. I'm not their judge. Time will tell. Will they reclaim their confession and, 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 and will they hold on for the promised land? Again, time will tell. But clinging to your confession is what Christians who belong to churches do. Final teaching point is found in the command of verses 24 and 25. Believers respond to Christ's ministry of reconciliation by meeting together. They meet together. The author of Hebrews is clear. Christians cannot neglect gathering together to worship with other Christians. Don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, verse 25. To neglect meeting together would have devastating effects because the positive things that happen when Christians gather on the Lord's Day won't happen. And this passage gives us some real positives of what happens when we come together like this. So when we get together like this for weekly worship on the Lord's Day, first of all, we will be edified. See that in verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. This is true. Just being around other Christians in the local church causes you to be grateful for the body of Christ and only makes you want to serve the body of Christ more. It's infectious. So I'll give you an example, practically. It's the Wednesday of VBS this, this you know, couple weeks ago, okay? Right as we're about to leave the house, my son has lost his glasses. And we had my in-laws' uh, kids with us as well, so instead of three, there were six. It multiplied. And... Um, and so it's, you know, six kids trying to leave a house. It's a scene. And this kid can't find his glasses, and we need to be over here. You know, they need to eat dinner. I need to be over here for worship practice. And we can't find the glasses anywhere. It's pure chaos. I finally found them after everybody left under a pile of toys and old popcorn in his room. Um, I was not a happy dad, all right? Uh, I call it mad dad. Mad dad, full effect. I just wanted to be alone, to be honest with you. I was so frustrated. I was so worked up over these dumb glasses that I just wanted to be alone. I had to call Emily Moss and I was like, or text her. I was like, Emily, I'm not going to make it over to worship practice. Uh, I just needed some time to be alone. But at the end of the day, I also knew I needed to put on a silly black mullet wig and some silver shiny pants and come over here and talk like this in front of the kids and, and do ministry. I didn't want to do any of that. Right? Because I was so frustrated about these glasses. But when I walked into this building and I started to look around and I started to hear the voices of our members and the buzz as everybody's about to serve and the excitement and, and seeing our members down on one knee, talking to kids and looking them in the eye, I was stirred up to talk in a really bad Australian-British combo accent and lead some kids in worship. You know what I'm saying? Just coming together with the other believers in the body stirred me up to good works to go, that's right, that's what we do. Who cares about these glasses? When you don't come to church, you miss that. You miss that edification. We're also encouraged, we see in verse 25. Don't neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. Throughout the week, you have failures, you feel weak. You might think, oh, I, I, I just was not a good Christian this week. I pretty much struggled with all the same sins I've been struggling with since I came to know the Lord. You feel down and then you come here around other brothers and sisters and they remind you of who you are and more importantly, they remind you of who God is. 
and we sing the word together and we hear the word preached together like we're doing right now, we pray the word together, we see the word in baptism or in the Lord's Supper, and we are encouraged. We are encouraged to drown out the voices of the world or to drown out the voice of your own inner critic. We are lifted up. Encouraged to continue on and to not grow weary in doing good. And we're motivated to endure. You see that in verse 25. We're motivated to look for the the day of Jesus' return. Right? Encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, he says at the end of verse 25. So what you could say is that you're not going to be able to do the holding fast of verse 23 if you don't gather with other believers. Because how can you hold fast if you're not being edified and you're not being encouraged? If you're not being motivated to endure. Your ability to endure and to hold fast is going to be weak without the encouragement of your church family. I want to be really clear about what I'm about to say. Don't read into my words, okay? Don't read into my words. And for all of you who are here in the room, you're going to be like, well, I'm here, brother. It's not really aimed at me anyway. So everybody on the live stream, all right, I'm looking right at the camera. Don't read into my words. But I I want to say what I'm about to say, and I want to be taking it face value. And I've waited a while to say this, and I've waited for the moment, and I believe this is the moment. I know we have a live stream. It's there. The camera's looking at me now. I'm pleased that this exists. A lot of people worked really hard to get this thing up and running and to make it stable and to make it reliable. And I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for our media director, Jessica Dupuis. Um, I am thankful for Pastor Ben, uh, Pastor Eric Spence, who was here, helped us get that thing up and running as well. And I'm thankful for all the volunteers uh, who were here and all the ways that they helped. Okay? With all that said, our live stream is not a replacement for gathering with brothers and sisters for weekly worship. It is supplemental. It was there during a time in the midst of COVID where it was the only way we could meet for a little while. But now not the only way we can meet and now it's not for everybody okay it's for for our homebound folks they're physically unable to come to church praise god we have this for them it's for those who are out of town on vacation but you can still stay connected and worship if if that's what you choose to do um it's for those who are at home sick or they've got even even they're not sick yet but they're like i got a little sniffle i just want to be careful don't want to pass COVID around the church right it's for those who had to work that day But if you can be here, you need to be here. There's a lot of people who can't be here that would love to be here. If you can be here, you need to be here. It's August of 2022. And I don't think COVID is a good reason to stay home unless you have COVID. Or unless your doctor has looked at you and said, you can't get COVID, you need to stay home. Or unless you have some other sickness and it could be COVID and you don't want to get others sick. Outside of that, it's time to get back to our habit of weekly gathering with our brothers and sisters and worshiping. Because this is what Christians who belong to churches do. You've heard me use that phrase a few times today. It's been on purpose. That is what Christians who belong to churches do. They draw near to Christ. They hold fast to the confession of hope. They gather together for weekly worship. If this is what Christians who belong to churches do, then listen to me about our church role. We can't go forward having hundreds of people on the role who don't do those things. 
But that's the case at the moment. Got around 500 people on our church roll who do not attend here. We have no idea if they're living Christian lifestyles. We have no idea if they're holding fast to the confession of Christ's lordship and salvation. We have no idea if they draw near to Christ. We do have an idea that they are neglecting to gather together as is the habit of some because they are not here. Some people would say this is not a big deal. Church membership is mainly sentimental, right? The name is on the church roll, just have that connection with that church. But even if you live in another state, this is not a big deal. Others would say church membership is transactional. My name's on the roll. I get the perks that come with that. I give my time and money. I get the perks of belonging. Even if I stop giving my time and money, I did it one time, so I should stay on the church roll, and I should continue to receive the perks of belonging. But we got to look at this passage in Hebrews 10 and say that church membership is not defined in terms of sentiment or in terms of transaction. Church membership is defined by how people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the baseline standards we see in this passage is that Christians respond to the work of Christ by drawing near, holding fast, and meeting together. Our members must at least do these things if they are to be counted as members. And if they will not, we can't leave their name on our church roll because to do so would be unloving. We cannot communicate to people that their lack of proper response to the gospel is okay. We cannot communicate to people that there's no peril for their souls. That's not true. If they live lives of unfaithfulness to God and they respond to the ministry of Jesus with indifference, then we have to warn them of that. And part of the church's responsibility to discipline is to do just that. And sometimes that warning comes through separation. We're going to talk more about that as we wrap up our series next week. But for today, I want to um, end by saying something positive, because I really don't want to end the sermon on the word separation. Okay. So I want to say this to you. If you are, well, let me say two things. One, if you're watching the live stream and what I just said kind of hurt a little bit, if you're like, oh, it got me, all right? It got me. It was meant for me and it got me. Listen, we're not mad at you and I'm not mad at you. We want you here. Like, we want you here worshiping with us. When you show up, there's not going to be anything but love and hugs, okay? Um, unless you don't want the hugs because social distancing and all that. But you get me. Like, there's nothing but love waiting here. We love you. We want you here. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. There's not a lick of it. Just walk back in the door because we want you here and we need you here. Um, but I also want to say that if you're here and you're listening to this and you're like, hey man, I draw near. I love drawing near with, with you all. And I love holding fast to this confession. And I love gathering together with the believers. So if you love all that and you love doing that with us in particular and you're not a church member, what I would say to you is make it official. Make it official. Say, if that's what people who belong to churches do, that's what I'm doing. I want to belong to the church. On October 16th, we're going to have a starting point lunch. It's like a new member's lunch where you can get some information. And we would love for you to come to that. And you've got plenty of time to plan for it. Um, and then in November, we'll vote on membership again. So this is a great season of our church for you to consider church membership. Um, and at the end, Pastor David will be at the pastor's table. He'd love to talk to you about membership. You can stop in and talk with him. He would love to, to um, answer any questions you have about that. So uh, if you want to covenant together with other believers and say, I want to be an ambassador for Christ, and I want to do these things we've talked about this morning, and I want to do it in an official capacity with the rest of the people of this church, again, we'd love to have you, and we would love to add you to our number.
So let's go to, to the Lord in prayer here in just a moment. Um, and then after I pray, the band will come and they will lead us in our final song. Father God, thank you for um, the scriptures and for showing us, Lord, what people who belong to churches do. Thank you for showing us just kind of uh, just basic week-in, week-out Christianity and what it looks like for the local church to come together and to respond to the gospel together. And Father, we've done it this morning. We're going to continue to do it through song and here in just a moment. But uh, Lord, um, I pray that where we are convicted this morning, where we feel that we are uh, maybe not upholding... Um, our end of the deal. Maybe we feel like we haven't been the best church members because we haven't been responding the way we see in this passage. Today's a day to repent. It's not a day to wallow in shame. It's a day to repent and, uh, and to uh, say sorry to you and to agree with you that we're wrong and then to make a change. Um, Lord, I pray that our live stream would continue to be a really, really rich resource for our church body a place where visitors can check us out before they ever come, a place where our people who can't be here for good reason are able to still get on and stay connected, a place where people who have moved away can stay connected to our church. But Lord, let us not use it as a replacement for the, the holy act of walking into this place every week, gathering together with other believers as your scriptures command and worshiping you. Let us not use it that way, Lord. Um, that is not its design, and it's not your design. And so I pray that we would live according to your design. And um, Father, uh, I just pray that we would be motivated to be uh, healthy church members as a result of this text this morning, that we would be even more fired up to continue to worship you together with the rest of this church body and to, um, to build one another up and to advance your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the band comes, they're going to lead us in uh, the song, We the Workmanship. And so this is a song where we're singing really about our mission and our identity uh, as a church in a very fitting way for us to uh, wrap up this time of uh, worship this morning. So let's stand together on our feet and uh, let's lift our voices together to the Lord. <laughs> 